Well, our uh, Wednesday night youth has just come out of a series. Who knows, it may continue, I don't know. But talking about the glory days, and as we was talking about tonight, specifically the glory days of Jesus, I just got to thinking about there, there's a line to get in heaven because we were talking about the second coming and if it happened today, we wouldn't be first because it says the dead in Christ shall rise first. I never thought about that. I, we'd have to wait. And I just, that I got, I was in awe. I was like, yeah, damn it. I got to be, I, it'll be worth the wait, but we'd have to wait. Anyway, that has nothing to do with, we're going to John chapter 5. I just, I'm really, I'm still in awe about it. There's a line to get into heaven. <clears throat> John chapter 5, pretty much picking up where David has left off. The last time that we were in John, he finished up in John chapter 4. We'll be reading John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. When you get there, if you would, let's just stand in the honor and reverence of reading God's holy, inspired, infallible word. John chapter 5. Verses 1 through 15, here's what it says. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he had already been, had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir... I have no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, and he who, made me, he who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Then the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. You may be seated. I'm going to pray and we will dig in. Father, I come to you. I just thank you 
for your goodness, your grace. I just pray that you would bless this message. Father, again, just hide me behind your cross and give me the words that you would have me to say. Father, help us to respond in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in this story of, or happening, if you will, of Jesus going down to the pool and healing the man, uh, one, let's set the stage a little bit. So, it says in verse 1, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, when you study that out, it's one of three feasts that the Jews have. We don't really, it doesn't say which one, uh, Passover, Pentecost, or the Feast of the Tabernacles. So he's headed up for this feast, and then verse 2 says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches in these, uh, having five porches. So he's coming through this gate, and there's five, I guess you could say, like awnings maybe, where you can sit under, uh, and, that, and then somewhere maybe in the center of this is this pool, and what happens at this pool, verse verse. 3 and 4 kind of give us an idea of what's, what's going on. Uh, there's a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, and they're waiting for the moving of water. And then verse 4 says, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well. And so you got this pool. There's a great big bunch of sick people and... At a certain time, it says, uh, sometimes, some of the scholars' commentary that I read said that it was those certain times was possibly at the times of the feast. Uh, but really, how many, what I'm going out of this, and we're not going to stay here long because that's uh, not the important part, if you will. How many versions don't have verse 4? Does anybody's version not have verse 4? Verse 4 says, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Anyone not have it? Handful. So, there's a little bit of debate about what this pool, or this pool of Bethesda, of not, yeah, Bethesda really was. What it meant, maybe it was a legend, maybe it symbolized something, but... Uh, again, I don't want us to get hung up on that. Where that got added in and is kind of from some old, the oldest manuscripts of Scripture don't have it, uh, but some of the newer ones do. And we see that there's some truth to it from verse 7 because when he answers Jesus, he says that when he tries to step down into this water, he can't, he's not the first one. So, uh, again, I don't want us to get hung up on it. What does this body of water mean? Uh, was kind of discussing with dad today even uh, multiple we have what we call therapeutic waters right you can go to the hot springs the mineral springs in different places uh, across the country was this a legit place of healing where mir miraculous healing happened I don't know was it a legend as some of the other scholars think I don't know but what we don't want to do is get hung up on that if it was the waters that healed Jesus made the waters. He created the waters. So God did the healing through the waters. And that's what we need to understand. And what happens this day is not necessarily the pool uh, of waters in Bethesda. but And he just talked about it in John chapter 4. There's some water coming into town. But it's the living water. And he's who's going to do the healing. And so 
Whether you have verse 4, whether you think that that was really uh, a miraculous place of healing when that happened, whether it was therapeutic waters that people got in and soaked in, whether it's just a, li- a legend, a myth, it doesn't matter. What does matter is Jesus is the ultimate healer. He's the great healer, and he's the healer of this story. And so as we look at that, that kind of sets the setting. He's coming into town for whatever this feast is, and he comes upon... Uh, and not by accident, he comes up on this pool, and he's going, and a certain crowd is at this pool. And so first we see a crowd of hopelessness, right? Verse, verse 3 says, In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of water. And so we've set the stage, we see what he's coming to, and I don't know what a great multitude is, but if this was a healing water, I would say there's probably hundreds of people here, and he walks in, and every one of them are sick, and they're waiting for this certain time, right? And when this water, whether it begins to bubble, or whatever exactly the stirring of the water is, uh, it's like an all-out cat fight or a race. I can just imagine... Uh, and it's between a bunch of sick, ill, and blind, and paralyzed. I mean, might be good watching. I don't know. And that may not be appropriate to say, but uh, an outsider looking in, that might be something uh, to watch. But nonetheless, when this happens, uh, you got a crowd of just hopeless people. They're sick. They're hurting. They're afflicted with different things. And that's their situation. They're caught up in a situation, blind, lame, paralyzed, uh, this man's condition uh, that we're gonna that Jesus goes up to here in a minute, and what are they doing? That's their situation: uh, blind, lame, paralyzed, afflicted, hurting, right? Uh, but they're seeking what? A healing. They're trying to find healing. They've heard, or they've maybe seen, or about this water, and there's this place uh, of of healing, and so so many. Uh, people, I think we'd all agree, inside the church and outside the church are hurting. They're in a situation that's got them feeling blind, lame, paralyzed, whether it be a physical condition, whether it be their spiritual condition. There's a lot of people uh, that are just like this crowd that was at that pool in Bethesda. They are hopeless they're without hope, searching and seeking for someone, something. We think of all the things that people seek out healing, uh, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pills. People search money, right? Uh, people think, if I just had this amount of money in my bank, bank account, everything would be just fine. I wouldn't have these problems or these problems would go away. What are they looking for? They're looking for some sort of security, some sort of healing. Uh, but just like this people this day... They're looking in the wrong place uh, because if they want true healing, they need to look to Jesus. And so there's a crowd of hopelessness, right? You can look amongst the crowd and a bunch of them, they may have a slight hope of, man, if I can be the first one in that water. But in all reality, how many was there? What's the odds? Was it as good as winning the lottery? Was it, I mean, we don't know how many people's there. They're racing down there and seems like it. The stirring of the water, only one. If there was healing, only one got it. It was the first one. And so uh, a, a crowd full of hopelessness, a crowd full of people that are just hurting, afflicted, lame, blind, paralyzed, and they're seeking out uh, healing. They're seeking out uh, 
to try to get rid of their suffering, to get rid of their afflictions. And just like that day, there's many, both physically and spiritually, seeking, hurting, and seeking healing. And uh, we have a hopeless world that we should go and, and share with what we have, and that is the healing. And that leads us into our next point. Uh, not only is there a crowd of hopelessness, but here comes the Christ of healing. And verse 5 through 13, I'm going to read it, and then we'll kind of break it down. It says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. I'm going to stop right there. So, the Christ of, the, of healing. So Jesus comes in, and again, there's a full crowd. But this one man catches his attention. He goes to this particular man and what we see about this Christ of healing and what healing is going to take place is first, I want to look at the who of both. First, we got the who of the healer, and that is Jesus, right? Uh, and there's some things through these scriptures that speaks of just the who, just the Christ of the healing uh, that we're going to talk about. One, look at his knowledge. It says, now there was a certain man who was there, who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time. See, Jesus, he knows everything about us, more than probably we want to know, maybe want him to know, want others to know. Uh, he knew that that man had had this issue for a long time. He knew that he had been dealing with it. He knew his hurts. He knew his afflictions. He knew his flaws. He knew his mistakes, right? He knew everything uh, that he needed to know about this man. And he knows the exact same about each and every one of us. And still, not only does he have that knowledge about us, but he still has compassion for us. And we see that he steps up, he sees him, he knows he's been... And then the next question, we see the compassion. Do you want to be made well? And so even though he knows all the good, the bad, the ugly, the hurting, the affliction the mistakes, the sin, he still has compassion to come to us, to pursue us and say, hey, do you want to be made well? Do you want to have a part of me? Right? And then, not only do we see the knowledge, not only do we see the p compassion, but we see the power because not only does it stop there, verse 8, he says, hey, rise up, take your mat and walk. And then what happened? And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and he walked. So not only do we have a, a, a Christ that can heal, that looks down and he, he sees us right where we are. He knows right where we are. He knows what we've done. He sees us at the bottom, uh, has compassion, still pursues us, still comes after us. But then he also has the power to heal us. Uh, he also has the power to save us. He also has the power to forgive us, right? And so uh, that speaks of the who uh, as in Jesus, the healer. But then what about the healed? got to think, because this is about to cause a little bit of a controversy between uh, the religious people and Jesus. He was pretty good at that. And the healed. Who's he go to? Maybe the most hopeless person there. 
because it seems to me like he can't even make it into the waters. Like, I don't know what he's having to do, scrape and claw, roll. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, but we see the who that's being healed. And one, it's just the people that no one want to be around. It's all the, the miserable people. It's all the people that have these afflictions. It's all the people that we just blind and lame and paralyzed. Uh, the religious people really didn't want nothing to do with them. Most of these people who had these sicknesses in that day kind of got pushed over by themselves and left alone. No one wanted to be a part of them. No one wanted nothing to do with them. And that's who Jesus goes to. He loves the unlovable, right? He come uh, to seek and save that which was lost. He comes to the lowest of the low. He meets us right where we are uh, to the worst of the worst. And I just have the, the same goes with this guy right here. I think he looked, and as he scanned that crowd, this may have been the most hopeless person there by his answer even. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. Man, I came here because maybe there was a slight hope because I've heard about these waters and what they can do for you. But now that I've got here and I see and I realize what's going on, there's not a way in the world that I'll ever be the first person in that. Because it's about the time that water stirs, about the time I maybe get halfway there, whatever, get a roll in, get a step in, I don't know what it was. Someone's already in there and they've taken up that healing. And so I, there's no chance of me to ever... Right, and so he goes to the lowest of the low. He finds us right where we are, uh, the, the unloved, the worst of the worst, if you will. Uh, and that's who he went after right here. Uh, but then look at the when. And same thing, this is where I say uh, he gets into a little bit of controversy with the religious people. The when. It was on the Sabbath. Verse 9 says, And immediately after Jesus told him to rise up to walk, he took up his bed, and he walked. And that, was, that day was the Sabbath. Therefore the Jews said to him, who was cured, to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered, He who made me well said, Take up your bed and walk. And then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? See, they, were, uh, they weren't too happy about what Jesus had done, because... It's Sabbath, and they've messed around and went and wrecked up. He's not supposed to be carrying his mat. He's not supposed to be carrying his bed. You're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath, right? Uh, but Jesus, he's not restricted to a day that he can heal. He's not restricted to a day that he can save someone. He's not restricted to what he can do. He can do it on any day, and this day happened to be the Sabbath day, and it didn't matter if the religious leaders didn't like it or not. He was there to heal that man that day and so that speaks just just like it does to us man jesus still can heal on any day of the week it doesn't matter when doesn't matter what's going on and he can still save on any day of the week doesn't have to be on sunday doesn't have to be on wednesday and he will find you right where you are right in your spot no matter who what when where he can heal you he can save you and that's the when but then the how Right? First you see in the how there's a question. Jesus asked them a question, and some of us might think, well, that's a goofy question. Uh, we would all think we would all know the answer, right? But he doesn't answer quite like we think he might, right? So verse 6 says, When Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said, Do you want to be made well? Duh. Right? That's why I'm here. Right? But that wasn't his answer. 
You see, and that just spoke to me. So many people, they're fine sitting in their affliction. They're fine sitting in their sin. They're fine sitting in their hurts. Maybe it's because they've just grown accustomed to it. But maybe Jesus asked that question sincerely. Do you really want to be healed? Do you really want to be forgiven? Do you really want to be saved? And so he poses that question. And what I thought would be a, a duh, that's why I'm here. I didn't make this trip. I didn't sit here. I haven't dealt with this for 38 years to want to continue on. But he doesn't answer like that. We see, again, that hopelessness in his answer. He says, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water's stirred, but while I'm coming, another steps down for, before me. And so we see that question directed to him. And uh, what... I thought would be an easy answer. Yes, please, carry me down there. What, right? That's what I'm thinking. If I'm that guy, I'm not answering and telling them what my problem is. Yes, here I am. Here it is. Pick me up. Take me. Right? Uh, but that's not what he says. But he's still, he's trying to figure it out. And then not only do we see the question, we see the command. And here comes that power, right? And then Jesus answered and said, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, that's the the power was there. He said it, but from that moment on, this man had a decision. Right, there was a step that had to be taken. How many? Because again, these were kind of the laughing stock people, right? They were people no one really cared for. How many people may have? I just begin to think in my how many people may have walked by and been like, "Hey, man, just get up and walk. Huh. Come on, come on, just walk." Right? And he can't. How many may have maybe? legitimately thought that they were had these powers to heal and came up and had said hey man get up and walk come on i don't know but in my sanctified imagination i feel like maybe he's had a situation like this before someone coming up whether it be out of mockery whether it be out of like they legit thought that they could help this guy and he's been here before and he's thinking oh, not again or even if he hasn't You've been this way for 38 years. When a guy walks up to you that you don't know from Adam and says, Hey, just get up, grab your mat, and let's go. What are you going to do? And so not only do we see the command, but we see the faith. Because he had to take action. From that moment on, uh, he had a choice to make. I'm either going to say, No, I can't, and not try. Or I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk because Jesus told me to get up and walk because I'm healed. And so we see the faith of the man that he had to take action on Jesus' call and command for him to be healed. And so he gets up, he takes off walking. Again, we see that controversy uh, go with, with the religious leaders. Uh, they get a little bit upset about it. And then, not only do we see the Christ of healing... But four, we see a call to holiness. So when it first happens, because there's a great multitude, Jesus kind of like skedaddles, I guess you could say. I don't know. Maybe it's because uh, I'm not sure what the reason was. But he doesn't let himself be known to this man right then. Right? And so he, has the, he gets questioned by some of these Jews. Uh, why, why are you carrying your mat? It's Sabbath. You can't do that. Well, the guy that healed me told me to. I'm just... I'm happy to be healed. And so he's excited, right? And they say, well, you can't. Who's this guy? Who's it? And he don't even know. He don't even know. Uh, maybe he turns around and looks. It was, you know, where did he go? Uh, and so 
he can't even answer. He said, I don't know, but he told me to take up my bed and walk and haven't been able to. And I don't know if you noticed this. You're hung up on me carrying my mat on Sabbath. Dude, I'm walking. Dude, I'm walking. I'm running. I'm jumping. Look at this. Look at my leg. They've never worked like this before. Uh, and so goes on, and then we see right here the call to holiness. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And that just is our call. As, man, when we have stepped out in faith and, and accepted Jesus as our Savior, we have a call to holiness. So we have a certain standard of living that we're to live by. And so this man had been healed and forgiven, Right? See that you've been healed. See that you've been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing happen uh, come to you. And he's been called right there. Jesus comes up to him and says, "All right, see, you're lit. You got the proof. Right there it is. Now see that you sin no more. See, I think maybe it's a Baptist thing that we get hung up on, man. If he ain't, if they ain't living." the right way, then there probably wasn't a true salvation there. Well, that's not, by that verse, that may not always be true. Maybe it is, because he says, see that you've been made well, sin no more, lest what? A worse thing come upon you. Maybe it's just that that person, a true born-again Christian, is just not living right, right? And they're not answering that call to holiness, because when we get saved, man, we can go over verses... If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Come out and be separate from among them, says the Lord. Right? We have multiple scriptures that points us to live a righteous, to live a holy, to live a set-apart, a sanctified life. And that is uh, what we are called to do. He doesn't want to... And when we don't, there's consequences to our sin. And he lets this guy know, man, you've been healed. Your faith, it's made you well. I said get up and walk. You got up and walked. Now go on and be careful. Don't get caught up in sin. Or something worse may come upon you. And so we need to understand that we have a call to holiness as Christians. When we've been saved, set apart, we're called to live like we've been saved and set apart. And there's way too many Christians that don't answer that call and live a life that is separate from the world. Instead, they are caught up in the world. They want a piece of the world. Maybe they want a handful of the world, a handful of uh, Jesus. And that's not how it works. He calls us to live a life that is set apart, to live a life that is holy, that is different from the world. So we see a call to holiness. But then, number five, and I'll be done, we see a confession of the healer. So, verse 14 ends right there. He says, After Jesus found him in the temple, said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And then verse 15, The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. So we see confession of the healer. He figured out who it was. It was Jesus that healed me, right? Jesus made me well. And then he began to go tell people, man, that's what we're called to do, right? We've heard it in sermon after sermon here lately. It's an as-we-go type of lifestyle as Christians. When we're out and about, we should be confessing the healer. Uh, That is Jesus. We should be confessing a Savior. That is Jesus and what he's done in our lives. And... uh, this man was excited to go and do that. That man departed, and what did he do? He immediately started telling. Did he go back to them who were asking? I don't know if it was the same ones. I don't know if it was different ones, but he went and told, and that is us. In your workplaces, uh, and 
the grocery store, wherever you go, at your family get-togethers, hanging out with friends, at your schools. Man, you are to go and you are to tell people about Jesus and what He's done in your life. Tell them, hey, man, maybe it was something, maybe it's a testimony of a, a physical ailment or affliction. Man, I got a bad doctor's report and he healed me. Maybe it's just your true salvation test. Man, I was lost, dead in my sins and trespasses. I was headed for hell and I got a hold of Jesus or maybe I should, Jesus got a hold of me and I've been saved, changed, and never the same again. Now I'm not headed for hell. I'm headed for heaven. It doesn't matter if it's a testimony of what He's done in your life here on earth physically, if it's a testimony of what He's done for you spiritually and your salvation and just your walk with Him. You should be going out daily, confessing it, telling those uh, out in the lost and dying world what Jesus has done for you. And so the pool at Bethesda, man, we see a crowd of hopelessness. We can walk out those doors and we can go find it easy. We can go find a crowd of hopeless people pretty much anywhere we go. You'll probably be in a group of them tomorrow if you have to go to work. They may not even know they're hopeless, but they are if they don't know Jesus. They are and they don't even know it. Maybe they're seeking that money. Maybe they're seeking uh, healing or security and something else. We'll let them know that Jesus is the one who can fix that hopelessness. He can give them hope, right? And so there's a crowd of hopeless people waiting for us as Christians to go and confess of a hope, a healer, a savior, and that is Jesus. And so, Bob, you can head up here. I'm going to get into our invitation. If everyone would stand, bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here tonight, maybe you are one of those who you don't have no hope. Maybe it's because of a physical condition. Maybe it's because of a spiritual condition. We have people that will pray with you for those physical conditions. We would love to show you by scriptures how to be spiritually healed, how to get saved if you haven't done that. But I know this, you don't want to stay in your hopeless state. Come up here. Let us pray for you. Come up here. uh, Get with God and pray to Him. Maybe it is that you haven't answered that call to holiness. Maybe you're not living like you should. Maybe you've had some warnings. Maybe you've had and felt some of the consequences of that sin. And you need to come up here and give it to Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you and tell Him from this point on, I'm going to answer the call to that holiness, to that set apartness that you've called me to. Maybe... uh, You need to get better at going and confessing. You need to get better at going and telling those in your day-to-day life what Jesus has done for you, how he's healed you physically, spiritually, the small testimonies, whatever it may be. Maybe you just need to come and ask God. Maybe it's for the boldness. God, give me the boldness to share. Give me the strength to share. Father, forgive me just because I'm not sharing. Uh, Whatever it is, these altars are open. Father, I just come to you. I thank you. I praise you. I just pray that each and every person would respond in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.